The following is intended only for mature audiences. Hello and welcome to another episode of Getting Deep with Phil and Az, brought to you by Wolfstat Media. I'm Phil. And I'm Az. And today, Harvey, uh, we're going to be talking about the new Netflix documentary, Our Father. Uh, I think this was a mutual decision to watch it. Um, I mean, I saw the trailer, I showed it to you, and I thought it might make a good uh, podcast episode. You, you agree with that? Yeah, you mentioned it a few weeks ago. I, I was quite intrigued in what was going to be on it. I got ahead of myself and thought it was already out. Yeah, you're but, keen. I like it. But uh, yeah, very, very good, and we're, we'll get into the, the details, I'm sure. Yeah, so for those of you that haven't seen it, this is obviously going to contain spoilers, so please go watch it first. That would make the most sense. So like I say, it's on Netflix. It was released on Wednesday, Wednesday the 11th of May. So yeah, please go check that out if you uh, if you haven't. Uh, the story, Harvey, was a bit of an interesting one. I've certainly never heard anything like this before. So, yeah, it's about uh, a man, Dr. Klein. Donald Klein, I think his first name was, right? Yes, and it's used upon it. It's D. Klein. It is D. Klein, yes. Very, very good. <laughs> uh, so, obviously, the, the story is centred around uh, Dr. Klein. I don't know how I feel about calling him Doctor, you know. And we'll get to that in a minute. But, you know, I mean, Dr. Klein, he's a fertility doctor. And basically the story is that Dr. Klein used his own sperm, his own sample, if you will, um, to uh, inseminate women, uh, fertility patients who had come in to try and help, or get help with with childbirth. At the start of the documentary, Harvey, we're told that all audio was from recorded conversations, uh, also interrogations, and uh, and the court hearings and it's all real it's a it's a true story do you know what i mean obviously it's a documentary what's your first thoughts on it though my first thoughts on it is i guess we have to make it clear this was like 30 years ago yeah so it's not as easy just to go oh i'll go ancestry.com and get all the dna sample it's basically what was given to him at the time yeah well, in, in some cases nothing obviously yeah it's strange to think that without those sort of like you know ancestry.com and there was another one they used was it 23andme i think yeah yeah uh yeah without those then he might never have been found out which is which is crazy uh, we'll get on to that in a little while again but yeah um i enjoyed the documentary as a whole it was a it was a very real and emotional story especially for the well they were called siblings weren't they they were basically his offspring, but they were called siblings because obviously they all shared the same DNA. They all shared the same man's DNA anyway. Uh, fertility doctor, Dr. Klein. Number, sibling number one, that's how she was referred to in the show. Although her name was Jacoba. Yeah. Jacoba. She was the focus point of the documentary, I would say. She was the one who was reaching out the most to other siblings and seeing what could be done in terms of a lawsuit. Uh, and things like that. Now, her story... Her story was she confronted her parents. They were both dark hair. She had blonde hair. She kind of thought she was an individual. So she asked her parents, and they reiterated to her over many years, that, no, 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 you're our daughter. Obviously, she is their daughter, but... Yeah. Fertility-wise... Biologically, yeah. It wasn't her dad. Yeah, exactly. It's crazy, isn't it? I mean, uh, you've probably heard of many stories that I have, for sure, where someone isn't their biological father, if that makes sense. But they'll still refer to them as dad because, yeah. uh, because you know, they were there for their whole life. They brought them up and that's the only thing they've ever known. Uh, I think sometimes as well, that even as an adult, you can be adopted. Basically anyone can be adopted. Yeah. So I've heard several stories like that, obviously, where 
uh, not necessarily in this documentary, I don't think I heard it at all, but you know, I've heard it uh, several times in the course of life and stories and things like that, that oh, someone found out that their dad wasn't their real dad, but because they'd been there their whole childhood and their whole life, looked up to them, they were a role model, and uh, things like that, that they proceeded with the adoption papers because that's how happy they were to say, look, it's not, it might not be biological, but you are my dad. Do you know what I mean? I think that's quite quite emotional. Do you know what I mean? It's showing that all your love that you gave that child, even though it isn't yours, whether you knew it was yours or not, is a different story, but it just shows how close people can be. You know what I mean? Like a nice connection there. And in the case of Jacoba, she never found out this story. Her dad would always be a dad anyway. She wouldn't have known that Dr. Klein was mm. her biological father. Yeah. Yeah, I think you summed it up perfectly there, Harvey. Um, sibling one felt different from her family, and that was obviously Jacoba. Uh, she was the only member of her family with blonde hair and blue eyes in a family of brunettes. So that's what ultimately gave her that sort of like fear. Is fear the right word? But that, that sort of like understanding that something's not quite right here. I wouldn't say it was fear. It was probably more confusion, which led to a bit of anger in the end. But Yeah, for sure. She did a massive U-turn, and she's now happy with her, her dad, you know what I mean? Not her biological yeah, yeah. dad, but her, her, dad, her dad at home. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, so, yeah, Jacoba, she found out at 10 that she was born through donor sperm. Uh, she had, she tried to ask uh, the doctor if he had any donor numbers so that she could contact her biological father. He said no. I mean, uh, at this point, it's not entirely obvious why uh, he did that, but with the sort of like, benefit of being able to watch the whole documentary like we have we know it's because he used his own sample rather than have contacts that he could contact to say your child through your sperm donation wants to get in touch i don't know the law regarding this type of stuff but i was always under the impression that anyone who gives donor sperm shouldn't be contacted anyway is that a contractual right that you don't get contacted yeah i think Basically, that... you're doing well for someone else i don't want the burden of the That's child. my child. <laughs> yeah. Here, here's 15 kids that you now have to pay for. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now I see what you mean. You almost think it would be like a check checkbox on a on a like um on a paper, don't you? Like kind of, do you want to be contacted by any potential child in the future? Like yes or no? Do you know what I mean? It's a little bit of a strange one, but but I imagine because you are a donor. Again, I could only speak for me. If I was to be a donor, I would probably tick the no box because I don't know. It would be too strange for me. I imagine it'd be quite strange for them as well, but. Well, I can't see any benefits it would have for the person who's, who's a donor to tick yes, I want them to find me. Yeah. Because if, if that was the case, you would basically be there from day one. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, of course. You, you, you basically say you're, you're, providing, you're providing somebody with a life, right? That's, that's what your donation has done. Maybe to an unfortunate couple who can't have kids for whatever reason. And yeah, what that what that would have done is given them the chance to be parents, but almost as a consequence, that means you you lose your right to their to their life, even though you're their her biological or his biological father. You know what I mean? It's it's um it's a difficult one to wrap your head around, Harvey. But obviously, this this sort of stuff happens. Now, one thing that did come up later on in in the documentary, the victims, siblings, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Um, they said. I wasn't asked to be born to this world in this situation. Yeah, of course. Now, without sounding controversial, could it not be a selfish thing for 
parents knowing that the kids will eventually all alone. They wouldn't have known this would have happened, obviously. She mentioned that. She was quite upset when she said it. I wasn't asked who born into this situation. And obviously the parents will, weren't aware of it until now. But apart from some women going there, they just want a child, basically. Yeah. Regardless of whether they're having a man or not. So they can have kids that way. Yeah. Which uh, quite a few of them did. Which they they shouldn't be the ones that are victimised, if you know what I mean. It's not our gosh, you know what I mean? Don't go in and can I have that sperm, please? You know what I mean? It should be a case of, well, I can give you the best one we've got. Yeah, yeah. I, I know in the context of this, obviously, podcast and, and the show, is wrong with what you did. But they had a life out of it. Until it was looked into, they were happy. Yeah, it's a strange one, isn't it? It, it? Something I got from the documentary, from obviously watching the siblings talk, it's kind of like a philosophical thing where, naturally, we as human beings kind of question our existence in a way. Being a donor child, is, is that the right thing to say? Being a uh, child through made through donor yeah, sperm. Yeah. 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 So being a child through sperm donation, basically, I think that might just open up a whole new avenue of questions that you've got and, you know, life questions. Who am I? What am I here for? This doesn't make any sense. Do you, do you know what I mean? So emotionally, I imagine it would be very damaging or could be very damaging. Here's a question for you, Phil, right? If there's Ancestry.com and 23andMe and all the other ones like, like it was not available, yeah, they wouldn't have gone down this avenue. They would never have found out. They would live their life as happy as they were. Is it only until they found out they were unhappy? So is it a benefit or is it a burden? Yeah, I see what you mean. It's a good question. Firstly, I think it depends on the person. You know what I mean? So, as far as I'm aware, like you say, it happened a long time ago. So, all the siblings are now adults, right? Being adults, they have the right to request information about their life. That might not necessarily be uh, lawful. That makes sense because, obviously, like like we've discussed, can I have the contact details for my my father? He was a you know he donated sperm at this clinic. Can I have his name address? No, unfortunately, not. If that's the case. But yeah, um, they didn't find out, obviously. Well, they did find out through Ancestry, 23andMe, websites like that where you put your DNA in. And you're right, if it wasn't for websites like that, maybe it would have never been uncovered. That doesn't necessarily mean that would have been a good thing. But I get what you mean, because I had it a little bit too. Is there a case of ignorance is bliss a little bit? Well, obviously, we know our parents are. Like our parents, because we didn't, our parents didn't go down the donor route. Yeah. But you're happy in your family now, so am I. But would you take the risk of doing a DNA test in case they weren't? If they weren't, would anything change? If they weren't, I don't think anything would change too much for me. Uh, I think that's that would be the same for you, right? Without putting words in. Nah, mouth. it wouldn't change me at all. Like, one, I wouldn't need to know. But if I had to for some reason, yeah, it wouldn't bother me. I just live my life like I, like I do now. I tell you what, if, if sort of like the ancestry thing, test kits weren't so expensive, I'd suggest we do one. Maybe we might do one in a few seasons' time. Yeah, okay, fair. We'll do we'll do it when we've got them as a sponsorship, because then that's a free couple of free packs. But yeah, uh, I imagine mine would become back quite boring, to be honest with you. Um, although it would be interesting to see where you know parts of my DNA came from. Well, off face value, you you're definitely your dad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely understand that. And your work ethic, you must get that from your father. So, again, you know, that's, that's undoubtable, in my opinion. 
Well, uh, just a quick story, right? When I was a child, maybe I was going through my own sort of like uh, question and phase, and I had that feeling like, oh, is, is my dad really my dad? And it, obviously my mind would tell me, yes, of course he is, you idiot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Don't be, don't be so stupid. And I remember, and I, can't, I don't know how old I must have been, eight, ten, something like that. I turned to my mum and asked her, mum, are you definitely my mum? And she was like, yeah, of course I am. And then I go, how do you know? She goes, well, I gave birth to you. And I was like, oh, yeah, of course. You wouldn't, it's not something you would forget. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It, it's generally not the mother who <laughs> yeah, yeah. the issue. Although I'm sure there's a documentary out there or probably in the making as we speak about babies getting mixed up at birth. Oh, yeah, for sure. Who mm. knows? Who knows? So going back to the, uh, the uh, documentary a little bit, Harvey. Uh, like, like we said, 23andMe DNA test. Uh, sibling number one took it. Um, obviously uploaded her findings to the internet a little bit, I guess. I guess that's how it works, right? Yeah. You, basically, you upload your information and it gets stored on like some kind of hard drive yeah. and then everybody else who bought these packs will do the same and then obviously matches will come up. A bit like, not, not Tinder in a way, but obviously not dating, but... A bit like social media though, eh? Social media, like, obviously, but not likes and all that kind of stuff. It's yeah, actually yeah. just matches, so like... Could be uh, you're related to this person. Yeah, fourth cousin removed. Yeah, that's a thing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So sibling one, Jacoba, did a twenty three and me DNA test, and she it was revealed that she had seven siblings that she knew absolutely nothing about. Now at this point, maybe she could have just thought, well, that's a bit strange, especially when she found out that there was a rule that one person's sample could only be used a maximum of three times. to prevent this kind of thing happening. Yeah. So, the alarm bells might start going at this point, Harvey. You're getting a little bit confused in, in the sense of three's the limit, there's seven, and then me, so eight. What's happening here? And at that point, I think, you know what I mean? It would have been very hard to leave it. Ignorance isn't bliss at that point. You want to know the truth. Because it feels like it's a bit shrouded in mystery. I don't know if you thought this. I did at the time when she said about seven siblings or... Her findings. Not once did it ever come up that it could be her mum with other siblings that she wasn't aware about. Yeah, okay, that's fair. Yeah, it, they automatically went straight to the to the man's side. Obviously, the woman has to give birth to the baby. Obviously, but yeah, she's had to go and do donor donor birth now. Yeah, doesn't have to mean that she's done that in the past. Of course. Obviously, Jacoba unravelled the story a little bit. She realised that something wasn't right here, and. Probably, in a way, put two and two together from what I remember and thought of the possibility that maybe it was done by the doctor. Maybe the doctor had used his own sample to, obviously, have seven siblings, eight, including her. And, yeah, the Attorney General, right, so that's the basically the, the prosecution, as far as I'm aware, uh, they didn't react to her complaint. So she contacted a news anchor who got in touch with Dr. Klein. Uh, he said he was not the father he used donor sperm, and he refused to provide a DNA test uh, himself to prove that he wasn't the father of all these siblings so far. Any thoughts, are we? Obviously, he was always bound to lie. Do you want to get caught out? Is that abuse of power? Yeah, for sure. It's a very vulnerable position anyway, I think, like emotionally, when the wannabe parents at this point, because they, they, they're, having trouble, they're having trouble conceiving for whatever reason, they go to a fertility doctor, and obviously that's probably very intimate in itself because they're dealing with you know you know the genital area and things like that. It's, it's a very vulnerable 
position. So you'd want someone that you trust. And ultimately, Dr. Klein didn't just abuse their trust. He took advantage of his position and uh, and obviously did what he did. It was um, disgusting, really. It's disgusting in, in a sense that he used his own without their consent. But, and I'm going to, again, be controversial here, they got what they wanted. Not, not necessarily a donor sperm. Technically, if on the form they gave permission to have donor sperm inserted, he could be a donor. Therefore, that's irrelevant. I think at one point throughout the documentary, I think one of the siblings' mothers, who I can't remember her name, so apologies, but I think I remember her saying something along the lines of, if the doctor asked me if he could use his sample and if he could be the donor, I would have said no. That was Matt's mum, I believe. Okay, yeah. And I think Matt's sibling 14, who we're coming on to next. It's a, it's a little bit complicated because, obviously, we, we've never been in that position where we've needed sperm, right? But what is it? Like a catalogue? And, and it's kind of like, this guy is a successful accountant. He majored in three different areas and used to be the captain of his football team. I don't understand all this stuff. Like, all those characteristics... You're not, you're not born with that. Yeah, you, you're not necessarily given the... Well, their hope is it's hereditary, right? That it's passed down. But it's not a pedigree dog, you know what I mean? It's not... Like, they're humans. They're, only, yeah. they're taught to do these things. If that's the case, you might as well get every unhealthy middle-aged man, I suppose, with sperm to turn away. Because if you're looking at, at a catalogue, always going to go for the fitness people, the yeah. ones with who well, are ripped or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's another thing as well I remember from the documentary. I've probably got it in my notes here somewhere. But um, I think certain characteristics meant you weren't eligible to be a donor. For example, having cancer in the family, things like that. And towards the end of the documentary, when several more siblings had been uncovered, that's the right, the right way to describe it, they were saying about their... Uh, irritable bowel syndrome, yeah, all the diseases that they've got, gastric problems and things, and obviously that comes from, well they assume, it comes from his side, his DNA. Now don't get me wrong, part of it is probably just life as well, do you know what I mean? Like, like if I was to have similar things like that, I wouldn't necessarily be blaming my father for it, if that makes sense. I know that's probably a little bit harsh to say, but if I have gastric problems, it's because of my diet, do you see what I mean? Yeah. It, may, it might not be helped through DNA and your parents' DNA being inside of you. Do you know what I mean? But, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, it makes sense. But, again, that's probably why they don't allow everyone to be donors because you need to fill a certain criteria. For example, not allowed really cancer in the family because that would be basically almost guaranteeing that you're passing it on to a, a child. Now, okay, here's a question for you. No, not everyone will have. But isn't that... Up-to-date records of, of cancer, one in two. Yes. We all have two parents. Therefore, one of them's got it. So we shouldn't have, ever have any more donors then. <laughs> well, when you, you're right, actually. When you look at it like that, you're right. Uh, cancer's a whole different subject of him. I know we both got some opinions on it. Obviously, as well, we both lost uh, family members because of cancer. So it's terrible, terrible disease. It's nasty. But, yeah, you're right. It's uh, the current statistics, as far as I'm aware or this is what Stand Up to Cancer of the UK tell us anyway, that one in two people have cancer. A part of our DNA. Yeah, yeah, it's inside us already kind of thing. You know what I mean? So 
you're right in that in that respect one of your parents has it one in two right so you're right it's passed down regardless but going back to these siblings they all said they had something wrong with them but i don't reckon you could find a single person on the face of this planet over the age of 30 who hasn't got some sort of issue yeah so to blame him for a, a specific thing surely is a bit out of order a little bit, but I think at that point you're so angry. It's almost like a like a again. I don't mean to be rude or anything like that, but it's, it's a way to pass off all of your mistakes because you can go, oh, this didn't go right in my life oh, because of the, because of my DNA is because my DNA is this doctor, Doctor Klein. Do you know what I mean? It's 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 a very slippery slope, but I don't mean to offend anyone there. But it can be very sort of oh, used as an excuse, basically. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Wouldn't which wouldn't necessarily be fair, but again, th- through the through the siblings' anger, I understand. So sibling fourteen, Harvey. Right? I think this was Matt. Uh, this one's a little bit different from Jacoba's story, but equally as harrowing, if not more. Doctor Klein saw his parents at the time. The plan was to use the father's sperm, right? Yeah. Uh, to fertilize his wife's eggs. Or egg, so it would have been, it would have been both of their child, right? Yeah. Uh, and I'm not sure if this was the case, but it was one of their cases. Uh, the woman who was going to be inseminated brought her husband or boyfriend at the time, whoever he was, with her to the clinic for him to go into another room and give his sample. And the doctor would have literally gone, "Thank you very much. I will use that." And here we go. And uh, if they were to conceive through that method, it would have been both theirs. It would have been, you know, yes, you had help. <laughs> Do you know, advances of science and medicine, I suppose. You had help, but it's 50% you, 50% you. The thing that I struggled with, it wasn't the dad's sperm that was used. Dr. Klein used his own sperm. That's a little bit different in the sense of, well, at least in Jacoba's, it wasn't going to be her dad's sperm anyway. Or at least as far as I'm aware. But in this situation, Matt's, Matt's situation, it was a matter of, you've cost me being my father's biological son. And that's a whole different story because you've basically stolen him away. Do you know what I mean? And and that's what he said here, Arby. I've got it in verbatim. When he found out, he cried. His dad, obviously. And he said, he's taken everything away from me because his son wasn't actually his son. That is devastating. See, this is the difference between sibling one and fourteen. Yeah, like I said before, for Jacoba's story, yes, yeah, she she could be angry and stuff. But at the time, her mother went through sperm donor and it happened to be Dr. Klein's, which is wrong on all measures. Let's get that out there. Yeah, but she got what she wanted. She had a child, healthy. She got what she wanted. Yeah, she did. So yeah. without the assistance of these ancestries and DNA stuff. None the wiser. Yeah, okay. But, yeah, no, but, I see your point. She was always going to have a child that was only ever 50% hers because yeah. the donor sperm was exactly that, donor sperm. It was never going to be the father in that relationship because, let's say, and it must be pretty obvious, I'm sure I'm right in saying he must be infertile. Otherwise, they wouldn't have considered a donor, right? Yeah. So, in Jacoba's case, yes, she can be angry, but I don't think she has a leg like, to stand on, really. Okay, yeah. Whereas Matt's is... That's heartbreaking. You know yeah, I mean? yeah, that it's, is devastating. It's a case of, as well, it's know. like me and my partner going, obviously doing doing that, and I, I find out years later that my daughter isn't mine because the doctor uses his. Like, oh, yeah, 
You know what I mean? That's that's a different. Matt's story is they have a reason to be angry and upset and take it to court and stuff like that. But for Jacoba, it's a case of well, unfortunately, there's nothing we can do about it. Yeah, it's, it's a strange one. Within it? a, in a way. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally see what you mean, Harvey. You're right. In in, in a sort of like, I will both agree. I'm sure that everyone has a right to be angry at, at that situation because ultimately they got something that wasn't going to be theirs. Yeah. But if you again, Anna, and you know, I don't like doing this, but if you were playing top trumps of who's who's had the worst situation, we would say Matt's come out worse, or Matt's family has come out worse here because not only has he cost Matt his father, it's not his real father, it's his Again, it probably is to him. Do you know what I mean? But it's not his biological father. Yeah. But he's also taken his son away from his dad. It's devastating. I mean, I can't even imagine being in that position. And and like I said, that's heartbreaking when when I said... And I wrote this down on purpose because I knew it was going to be quite sad and I didn't want to misquote it. He's taking everything away from me, as he cried, basically. That's, that was the father when he found out. Can't even imagine being in that position. Oh, that's devastating. Just you waiting that long as well. Obviously, yeah. not at home. No, nothing will change. I'm sure Matt will just be the father figure that he calls dad. And so it's not going to change anything. But they're very right to be angry for sure. So a little bit later on in the documentary, uh, several of the siblings went and actually go meet Dr. Klein. He agreed to meet with them. It's a little bit, a little bit strange. It, it, it could have been, it could be argued that maybe he was trying to assert power. Maybe a little bit of scare tactics as well involved because he almost deliberately came into the room with a gun. It but it is America. So. Okay, yeah, you're right, it is America. And it is his house, I think, I believe, at this point as well. So he's got a right to a gun in his house. I think that, I think that's his right. It's like the Constitution or something. I don't, I don't know exactly, but something like that. But the argument I was getting at is he didn't need to wear it to the table, to the meeting. Do you know what I mean? It, it was almost a little bit of, like, scare tactics in, as if to say, look, I'm in control here. I've got the gun. Yeah, from my point of view, watching it, probably got his, his pad out and asking their names and what they do professionally, I think, is whether like he's game of top trumps to find out what doing good or... You yeah, I mean? you're right, yeah. It's basically like long-lost long lost children, almost. Oh, so who's made themselves the most successful? Do you know what I mean? Oh, oh one of my children is uh, is a, an astronaut or a scientist. Oh, wow. Almost like he would vicariously take praise for that. Uh, so yeah, you're right, Harvey. He felt like that he was interviewing them, asking their age, uh, their jobs, things like that, and obviously where they were living. You know, things, personal things. And at this point, it's fair to say I think he was a stranger to them, wasn't he? Do you know what I mean? It wasn't like he he was part of their lives in any way. So you know what? He didn't really have the right to do that. That's a bit. That's a bit cruel. Although he could he could have maybe made it seem like he was trying to help them, but. I don't, I don't see it that way. I think it comes down to something that happened in the past. Well, I'm sure we'll get to that. So Dr. Klein said he only used his own sperm because he felt like the mothers were desperate for a child and he was trying to help them. He also added that there wouldn't be any more than 15 siblings. We know that's not true. We'll get to the full figure in a little while. 15's already too much, especially when the limit's three. Although, quantify that with doing it with your own unwanted sperm. One is too much. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Uh, he's obviously backtracked from earlier because he, he told the reporter he had never done it. Now he's saying that he did it almost to help them, as if to say, I'll do this for you. I mean, I say, look, he didn't ask. He just did it. Do you know what yep. I mean? 
Uh, and yeah, he did it as a way to exert power, was it? What do you think he did it for? I don't think he did it for power. I think he did it to show how good he was as a fertility doctor. That would make sense. You're right. As if to say he's got a good success rate, and that obviously brings in more clients. I wonder whether he tried it for the first time and thought, well, it's worked for like the first time or something. And it was like really good. So he kept on doing it. Maybe he knew the donors and he thought, well, they're nothing special. You know what I mean? Maybe. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Hypothetical. And he, of he didn't want money to come back to him for someone else's work, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Whew. So sibling 17's mother said she went to the doctor's clinic. And while she was being asked to prepare, like get undressed, put her legs up in the stirrups, etc. She now knows that Dr. Klein was masturbating somewhere else in his office, which he then used to try and fertilise her. She said she was raped 15 times and she didn't even know it. See, Rape's a strong word, isn't it? Yeah, see, for me, I think I have to agree with the, the law person that was interviewed. Yeah. The word rape has to be the action. Although, again, it's, it's, it's a grey area, and that's why a law didn't exist previous to this, obviously, because it was so sort of like so strange, it was so out there that you just wouldn't expect it to happen. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a weird one. Yeah, obviously, one of the key subjects of, of the documentary was how the law doesn't cover this in any way, shape or form. They were almost trying to pigeonhole Dr. Klein into something like rape. That was maybe the closest thing to it. But again, he wasn't a rapist. Do you see what I mean? So the siblings and, and everyone involved could argue, no, he was a rapist. But it's definitely an intrusion. It's, it's really strange. I don't know. I'm struggling with this one. It's hard. See, I've done my homework on this, so I apologise if it's wrong. But I was always under the impression that... The definition of rape is doing something without consent. Yeah, I think that's right. They consented to him putting donor sperm into them. They consented to. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think rape, by definition, is non-consensual and aggressive. I think those are the two words I remember from the rape definition. And you're right, to some extent, all the women who visited Dr. Klein, who obviously were inseminated with his sperm, they were there consensually because they were expecting someone's sperm inside them to hopefully fertilise and they'll have a child from it. Obviously, they weren't expecting that he would have been inseminating them with his own sperm. Whole different subject. And like you said, it's so rare that the law just didn't cover it. So back to Sibling 17, Harvey. Sibling 17 says she found it hard to believe that nobody else in the clinic would have known about his actions. Again, maybe you're looking for blame where it isn't. You're trying to put it at someone else's door. I think that's incredibly hard to do. Uh, and I think some of his former colleagues were interviewed and they said, look, we didn't know anything about this. What do you think? Do you think it was it was something he did by himself? Or do you think more people were in on, the, in on it a little bit? I think it would have to be something you'd done by yourself, surely. Because based on what we saw on the documentary, obviously we don't know a crime much reconstruction, you know what I mean? It wasn't actual fact, but... yeah. Him going off to his office and masturbating into a, like one of these beakers, a cup of yeah, yeah. and take it straight straight back in and putting it in them. Surely that should be the norm to say it uh, for Jimmy Clegg. Yeah, although you probably wouldn't expect the doctor to be in his office knocking one out. No, but <laughs> but I guess if the receptionist, she said she didn't have a clue what was going on, you could just 
Yeah, you get undressed. The doctors do go out of a room where the woman they're getting undressed. Yeah, almost as a matter of courtesy, right? So he could have gone to the office to go and get this sperm like he's because they really do. Just knocked on his own sample, you know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah. So it, in that sense, it kinda goes with the vibe of, of the actual clinic itself. Yeah, for sure. You're right, I think it's a it was a very sort of personal thing. Uh, for him, I don't imagine he would have told anyone, to be honest. I mean, how do you even broach that conversation? Oh, by the way, just so you guys know, just so you're aware, you know she's pregnant now? Yeah. Well, I um, I did it with my sperm. You did what? You know what I mean? That would have caused problems early, much much more earlier than it than they came around, like, say, 20, 30 years later. Like we know with his job, his, his role, it only takes one person to do that. You don't need a team to, to do that part. And also, like, maybe I'm not right to say this but masturbating is a very solo thing usually yeah do you know what i mean usually you do it by yourself i can't imagine his receptionist was you know (laughs) in the vicinity while he was producing his own sample do you see what i mean it's a little bit other than it's a little bit strange that one Uh, i I believe anyway it's just my opinion of course but i believe it it was just something he did for himself and nobody else in the office knew now one thing i did pick up on one of the women said that now that she knows all these years later that he was doing that in the office, he was still be in a state of arousal while doing it. Yeah. Which kind of puts her at a, like a bit of a sick feeling. But Yeah, yeah, no, I know what you mean. Someone was arguing the point that he would have still been on a sort of like a endorphin rush almost. Yeah. Yeah, like a, yeah, like a natural lease high, which is a bit strange to think of. But if like the documentary is accurate in the sense that he produced his own sample there and then on the spot, and there's nothing to suggest that that wasn't the case, then, yeah, he would have still been having that sort of like endorphin rush, that feeling of release, whilst he was inseminating this woman. So was he perhaps getting sexual satisfaction from that as well? No idea. It's hard to say. But, I mean, it's not for me to say, but... I don't know. It's just, it's just, just really strange. So another one of the siblings, are we? Uh, and by the way, we've just had number 17, right? And he said there was only going to be 15. Uh, this one doesn't have a, um, have a number. I didn't write it down for some reason, but it's another one at least on top of the 17. One of the siblings did a DNA test and the leading sibling, I think, Jacoba, as we mentioned, got in touch to see if they had heard the story about Dr. Klein. She said she hadn't. She spoke with her parents after Jacoba had told her this news. Uh, the, so the story matched, but the mum said her husband was with her in the clinic whilst getting the treatment, and he provided the sample on the day of the procedure. So we have covered this just ever so slightly, but she actually took her husband to the clinic to provide his sample for the doctor to inseminate with. If you imagine, this is this is crazy to me. I mean, the whole story is crazy, but this one, this one, this little bit particular. The doctor leaves the room to let the woman get changed in peace and private. The husband leaves the room so he can go provide a sample and the doctor goes into his office and provides his own sample, which he's going to use. I mean, what sort of, you know, what's happening? <laughs> what's going on? So it's a case of uh, her husband gave the doctor his sample, must have gone off with it, must have. Yeah. Can't just swap it like, like some kind of card trick, you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know, mate. You're right. It's weird. So again, back to the news anchor that Jacoba got in touch with. And to be fair, Harvey, from from what I saw, she was the only sort of person outside of the sibling group that was helping them, really. 
everything else, like I said, like the district attorney and the police, they weren't being too helpful at all, to be honest. They were they were more as if to say, look, there's nothing we can do, if they got a reply at all. But at least the news anchor was trying to fight for them somewhat. You know what I mean? So she said, she got hold of Dr. Klein again, said she was going to break the story one way or another. But she she suggested that they meet in a public place, like a restaurant or something like that, so that he can give his side of the story for when the story breaks. But as that was happening, and, and we were getting very close to the, the part of the story where it turned and Dr. Clyde realised he was in a corner here. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. One of the siblings noticed that the bolts of her car wheels was off on the floor, just randomly. All four, all four tyres as well, so it wasn't an accident. This was done on purpose. Uh, another sibling said that she had all her documents regarding this case, everything to do with Dr. Clyde, all the accusations, in a Google folder on her Google Drive, which got deleted. Again, very strange. And another sibling said that there were threatening phone calls, as if to say, do you know who I am? Do you know what you're doing? I would be very cautious if I were you. That's threatening behaviour. And we can assume it come, came from Dr. Klein. It might not have come from him directly. He might have been through a third party. But if you're looking for a charge to pin on him, there's one. Threatening with intent, so, if that's a thing. thing is, you can't, you can't prove intent, but... Yeah, well, part of this story, obviously he, in his past, which we'll get to in a bit, but he's part of a quite a wide community of people who were basically stand by him... Yeah, so even after the story broke, you're right, they, stu- they stood right by- beside him. Uh, former patients, people of his church, uh, things like that, who still maintained the utmost respect for Dr. Klein, which, under the circumstances, might be a little bit strange, but, but I don't know, it's, 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 it's a difficult one. Because, ultimately, the guy that they had known for however long, however long their friendship had lasted, maybe they decided that was more important than these accusations were. Do you see what I mean? So, the friendship of, say, 30 years plus, maybe? I would rather take the Dr. Klein that I know rather than the Dr. Klein you're portraying him to be. It's it's difficult, I mean. mean, Can you support him through that? I mean, they have. But, again, it's it's, tough. But I guess until we have the facts, I guess it's all suspicion. Yeah, fair. Um, But just a little bit on Dr. Klein, actually. He was in his 20s, 30s, something like He was studying for yeah, he was some a, kind of medical. Was, yeah, this was, this was when he was quite uh, a new fertility doctor at the time. And, and I remember in the documentary, he was referred to as the leading fertility doctor, the best fertility doctor in uh, Indiana. Okay, yeah. But yeah, he was part of an, an accident. Yes. Or, or it, it was portrayed as an accident anyway. Um, he knocked over a little girl on her bike. Yeah. And sadly, she passed away. She did, unfortunately. She was four years old. And uh, you're right, this happened in 1963. Uh, Dr. Klein hit a girl. Uh, She came out of nowhere on her bicycle into the street. But this was the incident, apparently, that made Klein change his life. And this event helped him find God. And then it was mentioned in the documentary that this is maybe the reason why he wants to give back a life. Yeah. To, to the world and to God and all this for his wrongdoings and stuff. But doesn't count for did it again and again and again. No, I totally understand. Uh, I'd love to know like a psychiatrist's view on that. I mean, 
me and you can try to be psychiatrists, are we? But you're right, I think there might be something in that. He took a life accidentally, and it was deemed an accident because, you know, Dr. Klein was never sort of charged for, for anything. You know what I mean? It was an accident, unfortunately, and it cost this little girl's life. Yeah, I'd, love to know, I'd just love to know what a psychiatrist would think because, uh, to me, there's something in that. That he took a life, so he was trying to give back and give a life. Yeah, so if first sibling was Jacoba, if she was the only one that he did, obviously he would get away with it because there's only one. Yeah, true. And that's him kind of rectifying the problem of this little girl's death. So it's not acceptable, don't get me wrong, but doing just the one would have been his like redemption type thing. Yeah, no, that would have made but sense. do it perhaps. again and again and again. Yeah. I agree, I agree. But then how do you, like, maybe you quantify that with, well, it's easy for me to say because I don't believe in it, but let's assume he, uh, Dr. Clyde did because, he, like I said, he found God. So he believed in life after death. He believed in a heaven. He believed in a hell. Maybe he thought he was going to go to hell for what he did, uh, which was accidentally kill a child. And maybe he thought when he stood at them pearly gates, his argument could be, well, look how much I gave back. I took one of your children, God, but I gave back this many. Uh, that was my redemption. I hope you see it that way. Maybe that's just hypothetical, of course. It's my opinion, but it's a possibility, right? But well, we don't do religion, so we have to <laughs> hope that, that that is the case. Yeah. Well, let's um, let's open that discussion for any of you. Obviously, if you're listening to this and you want to share your opinion with us, please do, because it's fascinating. I would, I would love to know what a psychologist would think of that, if that would be true. And if so, when can I start my doctorate? <laughs> Talking of religion, Harvey, there was a religious passage that you like to use quite a lot. It was Jeremiah 1.5, right? Which was, again, quite creepy in context when you understand the sort of purpose of the documentary. But that passage says that before I formed you in your mother's womb, I already knew you. It's a bit creepy, isn't it? It's creepy, but when you look at it, you think about it, it's the case of he knew that he was going to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly, yeah. But that, if that's in the Bible, maybe that's that's the reason why he did it. Because I think yeah, there was there was a time in the documentary as well. Two siblings were sat down together. I think one of them was Jacoba, and I'm not sure who the other one was. Apologies. It was, it was the guy, wasn't it? The, on the same wavelength when it comes to this. That's it. You're right. And and they, yeah, they were listening to yeah recordings of Dr. Klein, like real life conversations that Jacoba had had with Dr. Klein, basically over the telephone. And they were listening to it together, these two siblings. Uh, one of the things they both mutually agreed on was that using passages of the Bible as an excuse to get away with behaviour is it just makes it worse because you're trying to justify what you've done through, again, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but through fiction. Although you say fiction, when you go into court, I believe, as a, uh, a suspect, you have to swear on the Bible. So you're swearing on a Bible that you got the passage from in the first place. No, very true. Uh, I think they still do that in American courts. But you're right. If that, uh, uh, basically, what I think that is, is a very oldie-worldy thing where back in the day, you know what I mean, when people were a bit more, <laughs> and forgive me, a bit more naive and believed, you know, because it was written down, it had to be taken as fact. That yes, yes, of course, Your Honour, of course I'll tell the whole truth. I don't want to go to hell. Whereas I think, and I can only speak for myself, I think that's a load of old took. Yep, I agree, same here. So again, Harvey, right back into the court's eyes, no sexual violation had been committed because there was no law that covered that specific area. It is very niche, let's say that, right? It, no no law covered it because 
you just wouldn't expect this to happen. What do you think? I guess not. Until there is a law, then technically they can't get involved. No, so. no you're right. Because then it, it was a strange situation because the siblings were looking for Dr. Klein to be punished for his actions. But the law was saying, well, look, what can we charge him with? Because the law doesn't cover this in any way, shape or form. So I'm not sure what you want us to do here. I mean, we do. We want you... Banged up. Yeah, that. banged up and that, yeah, for his for his actions. But, but yeah, it's a mad one. Later on in the podcast, I'll talk to you about the law that was passed. They did actually pass a law based on this um, this case, I believe. So there is now a law that is in place for almost like an artificial insemination or something like that. So at least something good came of this, are we? During the documentary, and I think this is all just hyperbole, really. I think it's, again, a load of old tut. They looked into a thing called Quiverful. Do you remember that? I remember them saying that. I don't remember what it was, though. Basically, it's a group of people, as far as I I understand, that thought the world was being taken over by black people and it was their aim, their job, their goal to create more white babies. And Dr. Klein was acting through that to say, look, if you want more white people in the world, then I'll do it. But I I think that's a little bit far-fetched. I think that's a little bit out of the realms of possibility even for this. I think that's just something they tried to look at, but it didn't fit for me. I guess for back then, racism was quite prominent. Yeah. And probably to get people on his side. Yeah. Okay. Get their backing, basically. So, yeah, back into court, Harvey. Dr. Klein, he said he'd never used his own sperm when asked by the district attorney. So this is the guy that would have been prosecuting him if he had committed a crime. And he threatened to sue Jacoba, sibling number one, for libel, which is obviously slander, which is, you know, I think so similar to what Johnny Depp and Amber Heard are going through at the moment. Basically false accusations that damage the reputation of usually an upstanding citizen. Do you know what I mean? So that's a little bit cruel because at this point we can put two and two together and realise, no, this has actually been done. Do you know what I mean? Dr. Klein did do this. But then to threaten libel and refuse that he did it at all, uh, again, lack of remorse, but then it didn't really show that he had remorse anyway. Uh, it's a little bit tough, Harvey. What do you think of that? See, if he even admitted to one, like doing one, then they could probably preempt that he did more, which is why he said he didn't. But without the hard evidence, you can't plant something. Yeah, you're right. On someone. And they never got that in the end because he, he just said that he lied to the law enforcement. It was just what the punishment he got in the end. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the police came to his house and demanded a DNA sample. Uh, he couldn't refuse at this point because it, I think it was, you know, done by the district attorney that said, no, just go get a sample so we can put this to bed kind of thing. The probability of paternity for all of the siblings was 99.9997%. And when asked in an interview, Klein changed his answer to say that he used his sperm sparingly. Again, three is the limit, but three is the limit for a, uh, a normal donor. One's too much, Harvey. Correct. But how many's too much? Do you see what I mean? Well, when they went into how many that he had in the area of a 25-mile radius was outrageous. Yeah. So the problem of interbreeding, if you know what I mean, 
Yeah, yeah, you're right. Which is very high in that area. For sure. That there's a yeah, there's there's obviously that risk because to you they're strangers. And earlier on in the documentary, one of the siblings was talking about walking the streets and just sort of like almost in a daze, I could be related to you. Do you know what I mean? Because they're in such sort of like close proximity. It's it's the same sort of town in America. And yeah, obviously contact like that is going to happen between adults and you just hope that it's not someone you've dated or, you know, had relationships with. Now, if we, if we continue on that thesis, I'm not sure how far down in your notes this is, but there's a daughter of this couple that he ended up being his daughter and she went to him for her insemination for her twins. So effectively, uh, this sounds disturbing. Yeah, he's implanted his own sperm into his own daughter, and supplied her with two boys, hi his grandkids. Uh, yeah, just fine, Harvey. Yeah, that was sibling number sixty-one. So it's a little bit more than the fifteen he originally said. But yeah, uh, so you're right. There was a little bit of a twist. She was created because of a Dr. Klein insemination, using his own sperm. But the sick twist is he also used his own sperm to help her conceive. So you're right, in that sense, it's disgusting to think of, but you're right, he would have put his sperm in his daughter. But at that point, right, would he have known? He wouldn't have known it was his daughter, right? It could have been just anyone, unless maybe through through the name. But I guess how how would you go about saying, sorry, I can't do your insemination for whatever reason. Well, I'll tell you what you do. You, use, you actually use donor sperm. Do you know what I mean? You don't, yeah. you don't use yours for a change. But again, how could he know that the donor sperm he was getting wasn't from... You're right. There's, there's so many in, a, in the space of a 25-mile radius. He could have he had the sperm from a donor from a boy that he had. Yeah. And then, you know what I mean? Yeah, yes. no, you're right, you're right. Totally, yeah, it's, it's mad, isn't it? I mean, just by a, ma- like a massive twist of fate, she was conceived through Dr. Klein insemination and Dr. Klein inseminated her. But correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think we ever got a story on the on the child, her child, if it was healthy or if it indeed, you know, lived. What, like, no, we never heard, but we did hear she had twins, though. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. We can assume they're healthy? Well, we hope they are. But, again, obviously, with things like that, with inbreeding, I think, you know, chromosomes and things, I think it's a little bit more dangerous, isn't it? Because, obviously... You get a lot of defects and things, yeah. Yeah, you get a lot of defects. So, Christ. Very dark twist, that one, are we? So, eventually, it was decided that Dr. Klein could be charged for something, and he was charged on two counts of obstruction of justice, which he pleaded guilty to. A little bit of a cop-out here, because the obstruction of justice was sort of things like refusing a DNA sample at first, refusing he had any knowing that these all these siblings were his. Do you know what I mean? Look, basically, a lack of accountability is what, what it means, really, I think. He pleaded guilty, and he asked the judge who was sentencing him for, uh, for mercy. He's, he believes in God, right? So he believes... When he dies, he'll be in front of God and asked about his life and his story. I assume it's like that. And in his eyes, he's going to have to do the same. He's going to have to ask for mercy from the big man upstairs. Or 
I don't know. Or a woman, of course. Let's not be sexist there. Pleaded guilty to two charges of obstruction of justice. A little bit of a cop-out. It obviously isn't a sexual crime. What's your thoughts? See, it's a massive cop-out, but what I don't understand is, I know there wasn't a law at the time, but if he's got two counts of the justice charge... Obstruction of justice, okay. yeah. Surely there's there's a case to be open there. If he's lied about that... What else has he lied about? What, what has he done to lie about? Yeah. No, I think so there's got to be a backstory to it. For sure, I think you're right. I know there was no law at the time, but the fact that you lied that none of these kids were his, which means they were, yeah, should have opened up an investigation Yeah. on that. Yeah, and even an investigation where, say, I'm not really too sure, they, they probably still couldn't have punished him in the eyes of the law, but they could have opened an investigation and, and at least confirmed a lot, a lot of these theories. You know, you could have been interviewed by police... He could have been, uh, you know, made to apologise or something. Do you know what I mean? Obviously, the siblings wanted the harshest pun- punishment possible, uh, which would have been a prison sentence. He didn't get that. We'll come on to that in a minute. But, yeah, just something. You know what I mean? Just give give them something at this point. But I think on the basis that there was no law at, at the time, hence probably why they didn't give him that punishment, they could have... Tarnished his name, his reputation, yeah. and literally dropped his licence and everything. Yeah, well, at this point, though, he was retired, I believe. He wasn't a practice inductor, thankfully. But yeah. you're, you're right. It's, it's almost like um, you want to disgrace him as much as possible, take away his doctorate. Do you know what I mean? And then you use it as an awareness for other fertility doctors. Yeah, for sure. Because, again, at the end of this podcast, we'll go into the true figures and other little facts about... Documentary itself. A little bit of a tangent here, Harvey. Have you seen any of the Amber Heard Johnny Depp uh, trial? I've tried to avoid it. Fair. I can understand. I can understand why. I don't understand half of it. So. It's basically a media circus, mate. I've seen. I've seen a few videos myself. Nothing too exciting. Basically, there's a lot of objection, Your Honour. Do you know what I mean? As soon as someone opens their mouth, I've even seen. I've even seen a lawyer object to a question he asked to his own client, which. <laughs> just made Johnny Depp and his, his lawyer just laugh. Probably pity the man a little bit. It was an absolute mess. But anyway, that leads me on to this, uh, which is where a sibling read a statement in court. And there was plenty of objections from Klein's defence. And that was because the court can only hear evidence based on the charges against Klein, which was the obstruction of justice. And not how his actions affected you know, the siblings, because that he wasn't in court for that. So basically, any evidence about how... This sibling, who was reading out the statement, how how she felt, or he felt, um, affected by this whole unravelling of this story. Basically, the court is there going, this isn't relevant to the case at all. Which is harsh, because it's obviously very important and relevant to the sibling that is given the statement. But the court can't take that as, e- as evidence to use against Dr. Klein, because they are not here for that. Craziness. But it just shows you how good the lawyer... She had was because he even went through it with the fine tooth tooth comb and crossed it out in red, saying what you cannot cannot say. And every time she read out one of those, the lawyer, the opposition, objection every time. Yeah, yeah, you're right, of course. So they know what they're doing. (laughs) Yeah. Again, interesting to know what you think of this. There was plenty of good character references for Dr. Clyde, including one from a prosecutor from his city, which is a little bit strange, uh, as well as past patients and current members of his church. They're not offences, 
so I can't, I can't even call them offences. But these stories of him inseminating women with his own sperm aside, he sounds like he would be a normal normal guy, like have lots of people on his side in, in the uh, community because the insemination of his own sperm aside, he seems like an okay guy, a good guy. He goes to church, you know what I mean? He, uh, he's he got past patients who have said, no, look, I respect him the utmost, and that doesn't change my opinion of him. But also the strange one, like I say, is a prosecutor from his city writing a, a character reference for, <laughs> for a client in court that he has nothing to do with. That's a bit strange because, again, it's a little bit of a power play. Well, I've got the prosecution on my side, or at least one prosecutor on my side. That's how, you know, that's how ballsy I am. Uh, a bit mad. What do you think of that? We weren't told whether religion was involved or, or anything, but they could literally have been religious as well. Basically, you're right. It could be a good argument, that I think, because you're right. They could be all about forgiveness. And that's why they stood by it. I suppose if you were all for, all for forgiveness, you wouldn't be a prosecution lawyer. <laughs> true. Yeah, true. Very true. Crazy. The judge, and I found this was quite quite interesting. I think it was a she. It was, yeah. So she said that she said this to Dr. Klein. She said, whatever happens, the people who love you will still love you. That's true. He still have his family by his side. He's still got his church around him. He's still got past patients and a prosecutor, apparently, that support him. But that's awfully sympathetic from a judge who's going to be going into sentencing this man at any minute. If, if she decided, she could have sent him to prison. And a spoiler alert, he didn't go to prison. But she had the power to. That seems very sympathetic for a, for a for a judge. Every every sort of like information I have from a judge is they're usually very firm. Yeah, but again, religion could have played a part. The prosecution, I'm sure, probably has worked closely with the judge on previous cases. Yeah, very true. So it's not it's not about what you know, it's who you know. Absolutely. Well, we know that firsthand, Harvey, for sure. The fact that the judge maybe thought, "Well, he's at, he's elderly now. He was struggling to walk, I believe." Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. He was very ill, man, wasn't he? So, it's a case of what benefit would it be to everybody if he was in prison? He's not doing it now when there is now a law for that. Yeah. Back then, it wasn't law, so that's why he can be punished for it. You're right. Yeah. So the law didn't touch it, so technically he couldn't be punished for it. And it's not a nice thing to think about because. Because obviously what he did was wrong, but technically no crime had been committed. If that was the truth, there was no law that covered that crime. But it wasn't a crime. <laughs> that's that's why it's so confusing. But if we if we think about everything as a whole as humans, we we're always told to learn from our mistakes. Now, obviously, in this case, they have done because yeah. now there's a law in it. For something to be lawed or have a law to it, yeah, something wrong has to go first. Yeah, you're right. He just happened to be the first one to happen too. Yeah. Which is why the law is now here. So it won't happen to other people. Or if it does, they get punished for it. He was almost like the uh, the reason why this law exists, in a, in a way. So Dr. Klein was charged with a level six felony. And I've checked, Harvey, a level six felony in Indiana is the lowest possible felony you can get, basically. It's the lightest. Like community service kind of type thing. Basically, yes. Yeah, the, the lightest slap, sentence you can get. Slap on the wrist. Yeah, pretty much. He was also fined $500, and one of the siblings basically said, and I, to be fair, I think I'd have to agree with that, it's a slap in the fucking face. I mean, £500, uh, five, well, $500, my apologies, $500 fine, that's not going to do anything. 
And again, I'll have to quantify that with he wasn't in court to be charged with inseminating these women with his own sperm. He was in court for obstruction of justice and got a level six felony and a $500 fine. But still, that seems a bit light, don't you think? It is very light, but the way we have to look at it is we're not looking at it from the point of view from her because she wants the, heart, the harshest punishment going for what she's been through, what her parents have, what all the others have been through. Yeah. But he's only going there for obstruction of justice. Yeah. I, I wouldn't know how bad that is. Uh, that happened to me, but... I think in the UK it's the equivalent of perverting the course of justice, right? Basically, it means... lying to law enforcement, basically. Kind of, but also kind of like... Yeah, basically... But deceiving them. Yeah, a little bit. So the course of justice is played out by the thought of you could be punished for what you've done. And perverting the course of justice would be trying everything in your power to make it seem like you're innocent or uh, to make it seem like you, like almost like you've downplayed it a little bit. Do you see what I mean? So that's the only thing I can think from an English law point of view is what that sort of matches, you know? Do you know what my theory of a fine is regarding court? I don't understand why monetary value ever has to be part of it. Like, no, I understand. The, these siblings, for instance, I'm not, I'm not accusing them of this because what happened to them was horrific. But what were they expecting? A payout? And would that have been acceptable? Basically, at the end of this, either death for whatever reason, yeah, or a prison sentence was the only best scenario for them. Well, I think you could argue death and gets away with it. Do you know what I mean? Because But he got away with it anyway. He did, yeah, you're right. But again, we go back to the law. There was no law at the time, so therefore he did nothing wrong in the eyes of the law. Correct. But there is now. So in 2018, the mothers and the siblings successfully passed legislation in Indiana making illicit donor insemination illegal. That's probably just the start, Harvey. It's not a federal law, which means it isn't countrywide. It's not the whole of the US. It's Indiana. It's just Indiana. But it's a start, right? Got to start the ball somewhere. Got to start the ball somewhere. That's it. Well, we're getting ready to basically wrap up, Harvey. I want to give you a minute or two to collect your thoughts, uh, just for a final sort of statement. In total, there were 94 Klein siblings and that says, and counting. counting. <laughs> yeah, there could be more. Uh, there might have even been more as a, as a result of that documentary, which is crazy. But also, with the thanks to DNA testing at home, uh, they were able to uncover 44 more doctors who have been found guilty. Well, not guilty, no crime. But have been found to use their own sperm to inseminate fertility patients. Now, here's me thinking this is quite a rare thing. Do you know what I mean? And don't get me wrong, in the context of 44 doctors in the world, or at least in, in America, is pretty low. Again, one's too many. But, yeah, I just wouldn't have thought more people would have been doing it. Which is why I believe the real reason he did it was to make, make his career look better. Yeah, absolutely. Otherwise, you can't say the 44 or 49 other doctors were in it for the same thing because of guards and the right. same passage the same history they had growing up, you know what I mean? You're right, it yeah. just doesn't count. You're right. So th there's something there that is now punishable in Indiana, and like we say, hopefully that's a start. It's happening a little bit too likely for me. Like if, if you say 44 doctors in America, now 
you know, that's probably nothing in the context of how many doctors there are in, in America, but 44 still seems like quite a lot. But it's 44 that we know of. True, very true. Uh, who, who's to say that they won't cover more? But, Harvey, I've enjoyed the documentary. I think you did too. Well, I enjoyed it in the sense that it was, a, it was a good story to get your teeth into, but it's absolutely horrific. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I think that's what makes a good documentary as well. <laughs> Unfortunately, we have to live that... Uh, don't get me wrong, the siblings have to live their pain through you know, the TV camera, which isn't entirely fair, but they would have wanted to bring light to it. Do you know what I mean? They would have wanted to uh, yeah, get their story across. And you know what? Sometimes I think that's all life is, just one big storybook. And this is definitely a story that, yeah, you're right, it's both grim and fascinating at the same time because I would have loved to have known what he's thinking, Dr. Klein, at the time, but also thinking how do you sympathise with... Uh, the victims, if that's the right word, the victims of his uh, his selfishness. Uh, have you got any final thoughts to close us up, are we? Well, my final thought is, uh, as horrific as it is, and I, I agree it's horrific, but, and here's a, here's a big but, he did exactly what the women were after. Not not all of them, but not, with the, not when the father was involved yeah. with his sample, but the ones that went in there without a partner... You kind of have to brush that aside. I know as as bad as it is, there's no length for them to stand on. It's the parents who have ever have both, yeah. which I I really feel for. But they've essentially had a father that they've looked up to their whole life, taken away biologically by this selfish man. Yeah, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, they went home with the baby, mm. right? Which is what they wanted. Which, which is exactly what they wanted. So in theory. He delivered what they were after, not exactly what they wanted, but yeah, I see what you mean. They got life out of it and they got happiness out of it for sure. I know, I totally understand. Harvey. yeah, I, I want to sort of say the similar things to you. I uh, can't imagine what it must be like to have your whole sort of like existence questioned. Can imagine quite a few breakdowns because of that, and you know, things like you thought you knew your father was your father, and then you know, find out he's not, and then trying to cope with that. There's all sorts of mental things and mental anguish you would have had to deal with finding that news out, I'm sure. It's difficult. And yeah, just um, I know this was the sibling story, and rightly so. Wouldn't have wanted to give Dr. Klein any airtime to get his story across. And it might not have always been entirely entirely true, uh, because he might have you know, tried to blag it to try and make himself look a little bit better on camera. But I would love to know what was going through his head at the time. And if he feels any remorse for it now, just as a fascination, what's he think? Do you know what I mean? But yeah, my utmost sympathy goes to anyone involved, obviously. Uh, it was a good documentary. I enjoyed it. And unless there's anything else to add, Harvey, we'll, uh, we'll be off. Well, I think because of this podcast the, uh, and the documentary, you're going to get a lot of people probably buying those kits to do DNAs. Yeah. And it's going to be a massive boom. Now, if you do do the tests, anyone listening... It would be good to know how far back it's maybe royalty or anyone famous that you come across. Just let us know. Yeah, for sure. And 23andMe, if you're listening, or if Ancestry.com, if you're listening, uh, please get in contact. We'd love a couple of free packs. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you for listening. Uh, don't forget to check out Wolfstat Media on all major social media platforms. And uh, send us your questions and comments, because as always, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, thanks for listening. Don't forget to follow for more episodes. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Me and Harvey are about to go watch Liverpool win the FA Cup. And until next time, we'll see you then. See ya.
Bye. Bye.